prize joy. He's not only a volunteer firefighter, he also writes movies, directs movies, and produces his own movies that are on Amazon Prime, and I think that's really cool. Yes, it is super awesome. Andrew, I am excited to have you on here today. It's a pleasure to meet you. Kevin has told me a lot about you, and I've been doing a lot of research myself. How are you doing today, sir? I am great and super excited to be here with you guys. The first thing I want to do, though, is apologize to your listeners because in the promo material, I have the big old hair and the nice beard. And so, Nick, I'm sitting here jealous of your beard, and, you know, I just – I don't look as good. So, sorry. Sorry to your viewers. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I've been working on this uh, beard. I'm actually working on growing it out right now as we speak. So, I'm hoping to get something rocking like you had. <laughs> I can't grow anything yeah, for really any. good. <laughs> All right, man. So, come on, Andrew. Why – I have a I have a really good question because, you know – one of the things that me and Nick, we actually woke up one day, and I remember this conversation. We said, hey, you know what? It would be a really cool idea. He brought it up to me and said, let's start a podcast. It actually happened that way. And right. I want to know is, did you wake up one day and just decide, I'm going to make a movie? Like, why, why did you start making movies? Yeah, that's pretty much it, you know? It was like, hey, this seems pretty fun. There's stories that I want to tell. Let's make movies. But I think it started when I was a little kid, and I went to see the movie The Empire Strikes Back in 1980. It was the first movie I ever saw when I was five years old with my dad. Yeah. And it was so much fun to think about. Somebody created this story, and they brought it to life. And so I always wanted to do that in my life, and one day just decided, what are you doing? This would be fun. Let's just make it happen. So in a sense, definitely, I just decided and went for it. Yeah, man, that's really that's really awesome. Yeah, that, um, we, as you saw earlier today, when we were dealing with the audio and video and all that nonsense, um, obviously you are pretty much an expert of audio and video now with that, <laughs> with that kind of stuff. So uh, please tell me, <laughs> what kind of problems were you facing when you were building into these movies like anything absolutely so technical problems and overcoming obstacles is just par for the course right so for your viewers who didn't didn't know we spent a, a good amount of time getting this podcast up and running today because we had te te technical difficulties right that's just how it goes so for example one of my first feature films let there be zombies had incredible technical difficulties to overcome and you said hey I'm the technical expert which I am not at all um, I will sit and try to figure things out but really it's building a team of people who have some expertise and background and bringing them in to make the project better because for example I started off shooting a simple point-and-shoot with my camera but I'm not I'm not great at cinematography right so nowadays I hire the yeah, cinematographer, right. someone who focuses and practices and does all the background work to make things outstanding so that they know the technique, they know all the things about the cameras, which I don't because my focus is more on the producing and the story creation and working with actors. But uh, just, you know, in since we're kind of talking about horror films, that, that my, my early feature film, Let There Be Zombies, incredible, incredible challenges. And the same things we had trouble with today, we struggled with on the film. But it's just like, hey, this is something we want to do. We just keep going realizing that everybody has troubles you know you we can relate scenes, to that yeah. interviews from uh, big hollywood filmmakers they have the same problem for example like um if you've seen the movie troy with 
Brad Pitt, where it's you know the story of the Greeks fighting the Trojans. Do you remember that movie? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they built the huge city of Troy, the big wall on the beach, and they had it for the entire movie. They waited to the very end to film the big scene between um, Eric Bana and Brad Pitt, and a hurricane blew in. Right, destroyed Ooh. the whole set. <laughs> they had to rebuild the entire whole set. So that's just the way it goes with creative productions, right? And it's it's things that we can all get frustrated about and, and punt and quit or say, well, I guess maybe God doesn't want me to do this. You know, that's not the case. It's just part of it, and you just have to keep going. For sure. Uh, now, Andrew, I'm curious, uh, aside from all the technical issues, I'm, I'm more of a – I'm kind of a finance guy. I like numbers, and I'm always thinking about different things uh, in my head. So, you know – aside from the struggles of everything technical wise with making a production with you being uh, everything that you do, how does funding for making a movie or production work? Like how, how do you go about that? Is there sponsors you get? Is there, how do you tell me a little bit about how that works? Great question. So that that's the big question for all filmmakers. We have this great story. Where do we get the money? And the answer is wherever you can find it. And it's just like filmmaking. You can choose multiple different paths. It's just a matter of which works for you, right? So for my first feature film, well, the, the one that started to get distribution was Let There Be Zombies, and we keep talking about that one because it's a good starter film to talk about. But um, that one, I used some of my own funds, and then I told my story of what we're going to do and reached out to my network of friends and family. Right? And so they would pitch in, whether, whether if it was you know some money or as far as like producing, they would find a location or they'd find a vehicle. Um, but I would say our biggest challenge on Let There Be Zombies was the zombies, right? We needed sometimes 100 zombies on set at once. And that's not cheap, right? You, you have to pay for that. <laughs> you, can, you know, if you're, if you're making a fun family neighborhood film, you can get some actors and your buddies to fill in for a couple hours, you know, in, in the Texas heat. And then after that, people are like, all right, cool, I'm going into the air conditioning. I don't have time to stand out here all day long. But we, we shot for 10 days in the middle of summer outside, and we needed 100 zombies in full makeup, which also means we needed a bunch of makeup artists. Um, oh, yeah. For I forgot like about that. 12 hours at a time, right? And no one's going to do that for free. So we, we had to raise some funds for that by reaching out to the network of friends and family that we have. And I'll be honest with you, at that time, I, I did not have um, the expertise to go to build like an investor's packet in a business portfolio and, and reach out. And I didn't have the experience either, so I wasn't going to get the money. So right. I had to build it through the network that I had. But also, um, I just ended up linking up with a um, – <laughs> This is so random, but this is where you start to see that if you believe in something and you're a person of faith and you reach out with everything you got, that God can start to orchestrate things for you, I believe, right? So mm-hmm. we just happened to link up with a marching band director, right? It's a semi-pro marching band, right? And they had like a hundred people. And he said, hey, man, if you <laughs> create some promotional films for our marching band, we'll be the zombies in your film. Wow. <laughs> cool. Right? But that's like that's like a miracle. I mean, honestly, and you would think, well, why would I don't think God would do a miracle for a raunchy zombie film guy? Well, he might. Where I wanted to tell this story, and I put myself out there in faith, and things started to happen. Man, that that's so cool to hear. Uh, 
I mean, along with all that stuff too, what, how long does it take? Like for example, in let there be zombies, how long does it take to make like a production like that and working with all the actors and artists, the schedules that must've been extremely uh, unique experience on just getting all the coordinating together and scheduling who is who, who can do what, how did that go about? It was an awesome process and it took a long time. So we didn't do pre-production full time. Like everything that went in before shooting, we did it, you know, part time because we each had other jobs. Mm -hmm. Right? We weren't getting paid to make this film. So I it, it took us a year to put it together and we would meet consistently every weekend and talk during the week and we held casting calls. We reached out to uh, casting directors. We planned, we scouted locations. We storyboarded, we worked on the script, and it took us a year, all right? And mm. then production, we shot the main part of it. We shot for 10 days straight during the day and overnight, um, and it was awesome. You know, we had a hotel room that we'd all stay at, and whenever we had a little bit of break, we'd jump in the Motel 6 pool and blow off some steam because we were super hot, you know, from shooting <laughs> outside in Texas all day long, um, and it was awesome. But then after that, it probably took us another year of post-production to edit and add in sound and the effects and the music to be created and, and to get it into distribution and things like that. So well, that's kind of the timeline. Well, speaking of distribution, uh, like, you know, I'm curious because I have no clue, and that's why I'm excited to have you on this podcast, is I have no clue how any of this works. So distribution, you being just a regular guy, you know, not a James Cameron or anybody like that, some mainstream Hollywood uh, movie director, producer, how do you go about distribution for a film starting off? For sure, and that's as, as tough as fundraising is, which I've kind of gotten a grasp on now for, for my later films. Distribution is harder because you don't have a background. And all, all dis, dis, distributors are looking for is, do you have somebody that they recognize in the film, right? Do you have a Brad Pitt? If not, for the most part, they're like, oh, we don't carry that, which is pure balderdash, right? If you have a good story, people want to watch it. <laughs> But it does create a roadblock for you, which obviously in this film, we did not have a major Hollywood star. So we had to have a good, funny story that people could connect with. So there's there's different avenues just with filmmaking um, as there is with distribution. But one of the things that I did was visit the American film market. And it doesn't happen to be super well known among people trying to get their start. But what I did is I went out to actually Santa Monica in California and I sat down, set up meetings with a whole bunch of distributors and production companies and just had meetings and tell them what I was doing, what we were going to do and what we planned as far as like promotions and marketing, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really easy. It's not like you're just going up to somebody's office and knocking on the door and they're not going to listen to you, right? This is all set up for independent filmmakers. So that works really well. The other thing I did is send out the finished film to a bunch of different companies and let them watch it if they wanted to. And for the longest time, nobody wanted it, right? It's a, it's a low budget, yeah. film and it, it really took the right kind of person who got what we were trying to do with it it's low budget but if you watch it for what it is it's really funny and it's well done right so um, there was a studio that liked it but passed on it they passed it down to another company and that's where I linked up with uh, my agent his name is Adam Witten he's from Saikuno Ventures they distribute lots of films uh, with the independent lower budget and I remember him calling me and he said, man, you know, you guys put a lot of production value into this film and it's funny, right? So we want to distribute it. 
So <laughs> yeah, there's a couple points. Up, but it took, <laughs> it took like a year after we were finished with the film, and it was very, very frustrating and disheartening. I felt like nobody liked the film. Even though we had had a premiere with 700 people, it was sold out. It was one of the greatest things in my life. You know, it wow. took a long time. 700 people i can't even get that many people to look at our page right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's impressive andrew for sure they, yeah they are they are guys because i love what you're doing you're, you're creating positive content and you guys talk really well you're funny uh so it's coming right it's just a matter of time oh absolutely i mean i, I appreciate you saying that we we really want to build like an entertainment but also a unifying thing we don't want any you know, we see a lot of different podcasts that have like specific political ties and things like that. And we're just not about that. We're about getting people together to enjoy all the entertainment that we bring on, like movie producers. Everyone likes movies. Everyone likes music. Why can't we have a little bit of that? Yeah, exactly. Like unity and everything. Uh, we, man, me and Kevin, we've been friends since 2012 now. And uh, we just love hanging out together, having a fun time. And just like movies can bring people together, kind of get their mind off of something that's going on that's our goal with the podcast and uh i think having you on here uh is definitely uh mixing in well uh with definitely our goal. helps yeah hey I'm, I'm ready to be your guys's friend too can i can i be your friend <laughs> yes you can oh yeah <laughs> that sounded delayed like it wasn't it wasn't really honest no <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I do have a i do have a real question though uh for you so you wake up, you say, you know what, you know, it'd be really cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a movie. I don't know how, I'm gonna make one. And then you decided the horror genre. Like, there's multiple different movies you can make. You can choose a, a nice Christmas Hallmark uh, rom-com. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you, you went with the, uh, no, I want zombies, I want blood and guts, but family blood, you know, if you can have a family blood and guts movie like that. You know, so... Yeah. I thought it was awesome. What made you, what turns you on to the horror genre for this? Cause I know we'll get into prepper in a minute too, but prepper is also kind of like in a, what is it? An apocalyptic state as well, just different. So mm -hmm. what, is there like something with you that you like apoc apocalyptic things? For sure. There, you know, there's multiple answers in there, but uh, I'll start off by saying that it's just fun. Right. Um, what I like about the horror or apocalyptic genre is things become black and white, meaning you lose that gray area where you're trying to decide how you can get the kids to soccer practice and if your air conditioner works or not. Right. You have to sit mm -hmm. that aside because it comes down to are you going to live or die? Right. You have choices when you make them you either live or die. And that really clarifies yeah. why people yeah. do things and how they relate to each other. You see people at their absolute worst and that reveals who they truly are. So I like that because Ooh, of the genre. I Number really do two like that. Good one. Is yeah, I really like that, that early filmmakers, when you're trying to get your foot into the door, and this is very, very common, the way to do it is to lock onto a genre that people will watch no matter how bad the film is, right? Mm -hmm. And I knew my film was gonna be super low budget starter film, so I thought, okay, what's better than a zombie film? And at the time, it was before or right during the zombie craze reigniting. And, so, and, mm -hmm. and in fact, as I was in pre-production, I was telling my friends about it, and they say, hey, have you seen this show called The Walking Dead? And I was like, no, I hadn't heard of it. What's that? It was, it was just coming out, right? So this was oh, perfect okay. timing. So I knew that even if the zombie film failed, it was horrible, people would still like it because they love that low-budget zombie horror film genre. So there's, there's yeah. two reasons for it. But the third reason, which really stands out a lot more than Prepper, is that 
you know, I feel a calling through my faith to help people think through what they might need to be prepared because, you know, the, the, the situation in our country and globally is very volatile. And sure, perhaps there aren't zombies that are going to come tell it, tear us to pieces, but I feel like Yet. one way for us to be prepared is to start thinking about it mentally, and films are a way to help us do that so that if we're able to take care of ourselves, we can share in ministry by taking care of the people around us who are really, really going to need it. So those are, those are three reasons for why I picked a horror film starting out. That's really cool. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. Um, so other than your horror film that you made because you put so much time and effort into it and everything what is your what would you say your favorite horror film in general is because I, I know mine but <laughs> so um i'm not a big horror film fan honestly wow because i'm not like i'm not into gore just because right and honestly sometimes it scares me and i want to be able to sleep at night but <laughs> yeah. my favorite blend of horror action is Aliens with Sigourney Weaver. I just absolutely love it, you know, because it's this. These aliens are coming after them. Uh, they're in space. They're trying to survive, and you have these Marines that are buddy buddy, and all the dynamics that go into that. I just love that story. It's super fun to watch. Yeah. What about that, you guys? That's fair enough. Um, I know, well, I know for me, um, I think my favorite movie ever uh, in the horror because I'm not a. Uh, I'm not. I'm also not that much of a horror film, just because usually nowadays it's just a lot of. There's not an intricate storyline to it. There's there's a lot of blood and guts and the same typical white girl falling down right at the last minute type stuff going yeah. on. <laughs> like oh, there's a tree branch and oh, he got me type thing. But I, I think my favorite that I've watched, which kind of fits in the category I just said that I don't like, is the first remake of the texas chainsaw series so they had they had the entire uh series in the 70s and 80s and i think the one that the very first one they made in two it was either like 2002 or 2003 or something like that i think that one's my favorite because it was the very first modern horror mm -hmm. movie like a remake i think that and it was it scared the crap out of you yeah like it was one of those movies <laughs> yeah with jessica Biel. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw that one in the theater. Yeah, I did too, and I slept with my mother the next night. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to say mine is probably Halloween Town. So I'm just oh messing. my god, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just messing around. Actually, uh, it is Halloween, uh, the original uh, John Carpenter version, and the reason is because it's not you know I'm not into the blood and guts thing either. Uh, but it's something that, you know, aside from him being immortal and no matter how many times he's stabbed and shot, you know, somebody could really, you know, he's a serial killer and that is a real thing. And it kind of opens up your mind to be a little bit more cautious about locking the door at night or, uh, you know, who you make mad, stuff like yeah. that. I mean, they're fun to watch here and there, right? Mm-hmm. Don't make Andrew mad. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make Andrew mad. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Sure. I definitely had a, so I was watching the Let There Be Zombies. Uh, it was on Wednesday night. I was sending you pictures of that stuff. And there was a few questions I want to ask specifically about the movie. Because you... <laughs> and <laughs> specifically, the very first scene in the school. Uh, when you had all the kids around. And I forget which character it was. But it was the too cool for school kid you had in the very beginning. How many... 
how many takes did you have to do because because i everyone was taking everything he said so seriously and he was talking about his junk <laughs> and stuff <laughs> and telling the te- the like the sweet little teacher off and everything <laughs> uh, specifically like how many takes did y'all have to do with that because i i think well, i wouldn't be able to pay attention with that going on <laughs> That was a really fun day, and we shot that in the old Louisville High School. That was that was my next question. Texas in the Dallas area, like the week before they tore that high school down. <laughs> right, our one of my uh, one of the people on the crew, he helped work on the script. His name was Matt Bowden, but he he got that location lined up for us, right? And that actor, he was awesome, such a fun guy. His name is Robert Slaughter. But he was really buff and, and muscular. Wow. Uh, it was Slaughter. We had a whole group yeah. of, um, at the time I was teaching high school, right? So these were, I think, uh, another guy who worked on the script as well. His name was Michael Bergeen. I think these were mostly his students and um, and Matt Bowden's students and then a few other people that we had thrown in there that were, you know, acting in, in, in the classroom scene. But, you know, it was funny. We would just laugh. We'd be super serious and then we'd laugh and, you know, we'd, we'd be throwing spitballs at each other. But that was that was actually the very first thing we shot for the film, which is you, you don't normally shoot the very first scene very first up front. But it just so happened that, that the high school was going to be torn down that following week. So we had to get that in there. But it was a blast. So you, you don't film the first scene first or do you kind of just do the meat and potatoes of it all and yeah. then try to uh, – put something that's applicable applicable to the front end of it yeah no that's a really good question so usually uh you'll shoot maybe the hardest scenes first with the most money and time that goes into it so yeah make sure you get that done so that later down the line when you get to easier scenes you can just make sure you get them knocked out and you know people think maybe that you shoot a movie in order but that's just not the case at all for tons of various factors based on money location availability actor availability yeah people's schedules yeah yeah no that that was exactly what i was going to ask well what you just answered a future question i was going to ask about where did y'all just get a school that y'all just started shooting at but i i still have the same question whose house was it in the the older lady's house uh that yeah that they were in before she turned to a zombie as well as the rv and you can go ahead and ask about the the underground bunker uh, shop and prepper, which is a different thing. Where are you finding these locations? How do you get permission to just, you know, use a warehouse to shoot a movie at? Yeah, so once again, like I said in the beginning, I work with really good people who work super hard, whether it's a producer or a location scout, people just get on it, right? And so uh, on, on one hand of it, you can work with the Texas Film Commission and they will help you line up a location, right? But for a number of, of locations for Let There Be Zombies, as I was just getting started out, it was just through that network of, of talking with people. And so in Let There Be Zombies, there's a big barn scene, right? For most of the movie, they're at a barn. That happened to yeah. be um, uh, the land up north of Dallas in Sanger, Denton area, that uh, one of my coaches had just volunteered for me because she heard I was doing a a zombie film and she's like hey we have the perfect location for that so that was a godsend um let's see mary's house mary's house which is the crazy old lady one of the first places they go to in that film again this is insane right it has to be by design by by god's design but like it was my buddy who 
purchased land and a house that he was going to tear down again. Oh my right? goodness, y'all are just fine. that place up. We got to do whatever <laughs> we wanted in there. Trendsetter. Uh, like a month, a month before they tore it down. So um, the RV was my attorney's RV, and so he brought that over for us. And okay, so moving fast forward to answer your question to one of my later films, Prepper, we shot at um, Rising S Bunkers, which is the largest underground bunker facility that builds those huge, massive underground bunkers. They are south of Fort Worth, south of Dallas. And the producer that I worked with on that one, his name is Abel Nobel. He's a guy that just believes and does whatever makes things happen. You know, it's what a producer does. He approached them said, here's what we're doing. We'd love to feature you in our film. Um, you know, we'll advertise. You can have spots at our premiere, all these things like that. Um, and they worked with us. They were fantastic. They stopped wow. production while we were filming in there to let us spend the day shooting those scenes. Wow. So that's what I was going to ask uh, also is how did you get underground bunkers in there? But I didn't even realize it was a, a real bunker shop. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get one? <laughs> you know what? I, I can't disclose that right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't want anyone finding my compound that I have hidden and, and, and stored so where I'm going to be safe during the apocalypse. You know? <laughs> but yeah, their, their name is Rising S Bunkers. Rising S Bunkers. It's a real place. They're the biggest, the biggest underground bunker manufacturer in the country. And they, they do things from like one room to massive, massive underground shelters where you can park multiple vehicles. It's just awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so with the, with all the work that you put into Let There Be Zombies, what do you think your favorite scene in this movie is, and why? I, I, you know, I was watching that. <laughs> I watched a bit of the movie just to refresh my mind about things, and I just there's so many corny, fun little parts to it that I really enjoyed. One of the questions that you had kind of led up with in the email that we had going back and forth was you know um, like the ending scene and, and why why that was important so it's, yeah. it's probably you know like the moral of the story and it, it becomes important to me because we're telling this whole narrative to get to the end and the moral of the story so um, I would say that those those final climax scenes and the last scene are my favorite because you know we made it we've made this film and it tells the moral of the story so it was also really cool because my brother who's like my best friend he had been out doing his real life job or whatever and the last day of production funny enough we ended up shooting the last shot the last scene which isn't normal either for production but um, okay. he shows up that day as one of the soldiers at Camp Hope in the ending scene that were where they're all oh no way <laughs> And my brother showed up, and he was in the Army. He was in the 82nd Airborne, so I featured oh, him awesome. in there. You know, you can see him. He's wearing camo, all green with a short haircut. He comes in. Uh, he's the one that comes in and pats a little boy on the head. So mm. that, my favorite moment is waking up at the hotel room where the whole production and, and cast was staying and, and walking out, and I was tired for the last day, and looking up on the balcony, and there's my brother there. He showed up by surprise, and I was like, hey, man, uh, you're in the film. Let's go. So that was one of the great moments of the movie. Yeah, that sounds like a really special moment to have your brother there. It was. It was. It was awesome. Because I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, man. I think I think my favorite part of the film, and it was just one of those comedic element parts of it that you put in there, 
is there was a at one point I think it was the older lady when she was dying or becoming a zombie whichever part and <laughs> the teacher lady teacher she uh she says uh don't go don't go to the light or something like that stay with us and then jeff's jeff's ass randomly goes no go to the light <laughs> yeah that, that was that was hilarious so guys you're not gonna believe this but that is a true story really yes. wait what what, what right? part of when that I was a paramedic when i was a paramedic and i was in the back of an ambulance that actually happened to me um and i that's why i put it that's where i got this craziness and i put it into the film we really had a lady who was crazy, right? Which is not uncommon, but this lady yeah. was, I mean, she had to have been possessed. It's something I'd never seen before. Whoa. But she acted exactly what I wrote into the film to where, you know, she kind of like, I see angels, they're beautiful, they're calling to me, and then she just collapsed, and I'm like, I'm looking over her vitals, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? You know, yeah. I've been a paramedic for a number of years. It was just weird and strange. Like, so I get in right to her face, and it's like she's like, ah, and I'm like Oh my god! That's no joke. That is a true story, man. So I thought it'd be perfect for going into the film. Oh, uh, well, yeah. And <laughs> she, I'm, Jeez. I'm speechless at this moment in time. So, <laughs> um, Andrew, just to real quick in here, you've literally done everything. I thought, like, I've done a little research on you. I didn't even know you were an EMT previously. So, which I guess makes sense with other work you do. But, man, you are one diverse person. It's so cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. But really, what it comes from is I'm just super grateful, and I look around at everything that we have, and I'm excited, and I want to do all kinds of different things because I feel like God gave us an incredible blessing, and I just want to go out and, and live life, right? So I try to share that with other people as one of my ways of brightening people's lives. So I hope that inspires people to do the same. You know, it's it's funny you say that because uh, I feel the same way. I'm very grateful. Um, I'm I'm young, but I've already had a, a couple of close calls in life, you know, where I, you know, may not have, you know, been here right now. And, yeah. you know, I feel the same way. Uh, one of my coworkers the other day just told me, Nick, you're always busy. You're always going there and doing that. And do you ever just stop? And I'm just like, well, no, because I, I want to do as much as I can in life. Of course, you know, I'm careful not to burn out, but I don't want to just sit around and just, you know, do the bare minimum and everything. You know, God gave us a whole world, um, you know, with his dominion. Um, over it and you know I want to take advantage of that opportunity I feel that for sure uh, and there was there was a time when I was more focused on achieving things when I was young right and um, mm. over the years I had to learn that people are way more important than whatever I wanted to achieve but now that I feel like God has helped me to understand that I, I have a good balance to where I go out and achieve things but it's with people and, and placing them first and it just makes it the experience for me and for everybody around me just so much more filled with joy and fun and excitement right so I, I hope I get to live that out for a lot longer that's a that's a good revelation right there sir I really uh, <laughs> I pr appreciated that point uh, perspective uh, that's awesome I used to you know be a little bit more about achieving things too and uh, actually just these past couple months has I, I felt on my heart that God's pointed me that same direction rather than achieving things going out and uh, that people are more important in those experiences. So that's really awesome. Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to add to that because it's really funny. You, uh, you learned through filmmaking that kind of an ideology and we didn't start learning it until we started doing this podcasting thing. 
is it just go and be happy type of thing. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You know, you'll achieve the things you're going to. And that that's yeah. just going to be the end of it. But being happy, making other people happy, building community, and again, the unity thing through entertainment and things like that. You know, that's what that's amazing that we learn the same thing only through a different medium. Yeah, and I think that anyone who is creative, whether you're doing a podcast or film or you're writing or creating a painting program, sure. You know, it it takes something special to be able to reach into someone's life and understand what makes people tick and to produce something that showcases that and when you're able to do that at a top level you you, you can only do that by connection with people if it's not a connection with people then what, what are we doing right and it's obvious that that's what you guys want to do because of the way you present your material it's not um, one-sided it's not trying to put up a wall and, and say look at these other people they are not they're dumb they don't know what they're talking about you guys and what I appreciate about your show is that you listen and you build a community and I think we all need more of that the creative person is someone who can really capitalize on that and so I hope we all get to keep doing that in a way that just increases uh, the voice we're able to extend man I really I really appreciate that yeah that's exactly what we're trying to do. <laughs> Read it like a book. Plus, you're both yeah. you're both really really handsome. You know what I mean? No. So, <laughs> uh, I oh, appreciate man. that. I wish the ladies would say that more often. <laughs> yeah, may, well, maybe me, do. but. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. So what? Okay. So you had the ending scene of "Let There Be Zombies." You made an incredible storyline of the movie. What do you want your viewers? to take as an overall message of that movie. Yeah, so once again, there, there's multiple little things in mm -hmm. there, but when it comes to the end, and our main character, Drew, who, spoiler alert, you know, she survives, no. only at great cost, though. Because uh, you chose the it. The final message is, or at least one of them, is that it doesn't matter if there's a zombie apocalypse where the world has gone crazy, or if it's normal life, and you're in the suburbs, and you're trying to get the kids to soccer practice. Life is what you make it, right? Absolutely, you absolutely. You have choices that affect you and other people. And it is easier, no matter if there are zombies or if you're trying to make a budget stretch out to the end of the month, it is easier to put yourself first and to lie, cheat, and steal and shove other people to the side or even even below you right mm -hmm. it is harder yeah. it is harder to put other people first and to think with integrity and to do that which is good and follow what god calls us to do that's hard right yeah but the, the moral of that story is there is hope in that there is resiliency in walking that fine line doesn't matter if it's the boring comfort of the suburbs or zombies are coming to get you when you reach out in faith and you take care of other people around you, that community is going to support you in the end. And that integrity is going to carry you through with your faith in mind, no matter what the situation, right? And that's what we've got to do. I'm so mind kind blown. Of the, moral, the moral of the story. Yeah, I'm, I'm left speechless after that one. That was. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I just have to say, too, with you saying that, that's 
super on point that's that speaks to my spirit um <laughs> but you know there's such a, a blessing and reward um for putting yourself um uh, not being selfish and doing the right thing for others and uh, and helping other people at the end of that uh, time and time again god's proven to me exactly what you're saying there and there's a reward to that uh, that inner uh, feeling of peace and uh, content about you know doing so that and just listening to other people if you don't agree with them Mm-hmm. Who cares? Like you don't have. No one has to be right. Exactly. Like you can just listen to other people. I think that's also part of what therapy zombies is you know, putting other people first for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and that's what I like about the film. There's all these weird different characters, but it's not about saying you over there, you are an idiot, and you are opposite, you are other of me. The film is about celebrating all of us who are weird and quirky and different, and we have our different beliefs. But at the end of the day, it's two people who have survived this horrendous ordeal, which is the metaphor for life, right? Two right. characters are on, on the barn, on the roof, surrounded by the pitfalls of life, which are the zombies. And they're not going to make it alone. They're not going to make it by pointing fingers at each other saying, you're wrong. The only right. way they make it is by understanding we're all different, and yet we're all the same because we're in it together. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Tell it. Well, you told us a lot about the "Let There Be Zombies" situation. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit what it was like producing Prepper? Like, I know that was a completely different ordeal. Yeah. So that was a, a really good and different experience because we built on the success that we had achieved with with "Let There Be Zombies," which, you know, by Hollywood terms, was not a lot of success, but we did get distribution. And we did win a couple of awards, right? We were starting to see some money come in, so we were able to reach out to um, beyond our network of personal uh, people that we knew as far as investors. And we brought in a significant amount of money for independent filmmaking, and we extended our reach. You know, So instead of it being me and a, and a group of Dallas-based filmmakers, which we still used a lot of, right? We yeah. reached out to some seasoned veterans in the Hollywood film industry, and we brought the cinematographer and the film, the bulk of the film crew, in from LA to Dallas, um, and that right there upgraded our, our production. Um, but I, I, and my wife really helped me, r- reminded me what the key elements. Sorry about that, uh, guys. <laughs> Another <laughs> technical difficulty happened, but we are back here and everything andrew christ joy's back and we're all sounding good so we're about to go in to prepper tell us what the production side was on prepper because i know it had to have been a little bit different than making a horror movie so what uh, so where did you get started with this one yeah so um if you've seen the difference between let there be zombies my early film and prepper my latest film you can tell that there is a significant increase in production value like we were able to spend a lot more money because we were able to raise more based on the success of Let There Be Zombies. And Let There Be Zombies was just a, a little independent film that won a couple of awards, but it got picked up for distribution and had some money coming in. So with that legitimacy, we could reach out to some investors on a higher level and you know prove that we had done some things. So that was what was great about Prepper. But the thing is, going from that zombie film where everybody's going to watch it no, no matter how terrible the acting is, right? Right. We had to, and you know, Prepper is kind of a drama, right? There's some fun things in it and some comedy, but dramas you have to kind of get right because if you don't, people are very unforgiving. 
So yeah. uh, we, we allocated our money to some key areas. One of them was that we brought in the cin cinematographer and the production crew mainly from LA because they've got the experience, they've proved themselves over multiple feature films. We wanted to make sure we got that right. So one of the other things that you're probably not ever gonna notice, but is super paramount, is production, is audio post-production, right? Mm -hmm. And if you really listen to Prepper, you can hear how amazing it is, right? So these days you can shoot shaky footage, camera stuff going on, and it could be bad lighting and all that. People don't care because they're used to seeing that, right? Yeah. But if you get the sound wrong, people know that it's amateur and not good. So we spent like yeah, $20,000 alone yeah. on that <laughs> audio post-production, okay? So I worked with, um, uh, for people who know film, Sundance Film, mm -hmm. award-winning audio post-production technician, um, in Dallas there at his studio and just the sound for Prepper is amazing, right? Um, the, the, the film, the score is fantastic because I worked with Brian Douglas again and he was really great, but the audio post-production was able to be enhanced. And so the combination of spending a bunch of money on cinematography and audio post-production just really makes the film look and sound phenomenal. So I would say that's the two greatest advantages that we have. But one Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. Oh, you're good. I was just curious uh, with you having a bigger budget, if it's okay for me asking, how much was the budget for Prepper? Right. So, so Prepper is $100,000. Okay. Right? Which is not, it's not a lot of money. And I still was able to utilize uh, a number of uh, production techniques as far as, you know, my producers going in and doing trade for locations, right? We didn't necessarily rent out every single location, which can get expensive. We paid the main actors, but well, for example, like I had students that I had worked with as a high school teacher in the in the in the student scenes, right? Out of the kindness of their hearts, they would have volunteered to do it, but again, they wouldn't have volunteered for two 12-hour days to sit in a room, right? Mm -hmm. They already they already had to put up with me as a teacher before that, so we had to pay those people, right? And it costs money, so um, I'm just thankful that we were able to raise that those months up and funds up another level to be able to bring in some of the things to take it to that next step okay yeah that's sweet that, and for a hundred thousand dollars that film uh i thought you were going to say something honestly i thought you were going to say something northwards of probably six hundred thousand so very impressive well you know and i think that we could easily make a case for that's that's the actual budget but as far as like things that we spent money on it comes down to like a hundred thousand dollars and that we got away with a lot. It's, it's just like, that's independent filmmaking at its best, right? It's mm -hmm. being able to extend the budget that you have well beyond by making people believe in what you're doing so that they're willing to give you more, right? Instead of being limited by $100,000. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with that movie, because, you know, it the production value just overall was so much better than the first one when you're talking about the cameras when you're talking about not necessarily i wouldn't say graphics and prepper but in general just production quality was a lot better it looked like something that was on amc just independent filmmaking though um what kind of awards did you win with that that all of you wins are not you but the entire movie itself what kind of awards and how did y'all get distribution with that one yeah that's a good question and and there was uh, a larger number of awards, and I'm, I'm not going to remember all of them, but if I can hit the top ones that I can think of, is like um, um, the Hollywood Independent Film Festival. Um, you know, it, it wasn't 
we knew it wasn't the film that's going to go to Sundance or the Oscars, right? And, and win that. <laughs> that's that's shooting too high yeah. with, with, the, with the type of film that we had. But one of the things that I had learned is to find that right niche as far as where that film fits into and, and put it into those markets, right? And send it to those festivals. So that's why it did really well because I was learning those techniques. Um, so the Hollywood one was really big. And that's the, the first one I remember. Um, there was one in Fort Worth that, that we won. And I think there's five or six that I don't remember off the top of my head. But again, because of the success of that low budget, corny, little fun zombie film, I had linked up with an agent and he's now, he's still, he's my film agent. So I reached out to him directly and he's the one who did the hard work this time on finding distribution for Prepper. So as far as that aspect, I had already crossed that barrier with my first crazy zombie film. So the door was open for me to get distribution a lot easier. And that's how we did it. That, that definitely makes a lot of sense then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, sorry, I had to quit because I can't remember everything I wanted to. I wrote everything down that I wanted to ask you. But so, are you done making films? Are you, or do you have more stuff coming out? What and what can we expect if you are making more? Heck yes, I am not done making films. I've got so much more going. You better on. not be. I will tell you. Yeah, man, I, I've got two of them that I can tell you about right now. Right, I don't want to give away the secrets. Right. But just to tell you about one, Do and it. honestly, this one's been going on for a long time, but it's going to take significant budget. So um, that's something that we're still building. But uh, one of them is called Turp, and it's about the battle between um, a guy who's super lazy and his parents kind of start making him mow lawns because he just lives in their house, and even though he's a little bit older, right? Yeah. It's also about an um, illegal Mexican immigrant who sneaks across the border and he starts mowing lawns and builds a business. And these two guys start to fight. They get into competition, right? Uh -huh. They don't like each other. Um, and so it's the turf of the lawn that they're mowing, but it's also metaphorical. This is our turf, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a Gran Torino type turf, if that's where go. we're going. And as you can imagine, it's, it's kind of perfect timing because we have that really volatile situation going on in our country today. And with all of my films, it, it really enjoys and highlights stereotypes, but in a way that turns around and showcases that, again, we're in this together. And, and when we're at odds with each other, we're actually the ones that lose out. And so the film's going to talk about that. It's a, it's a comedy that really grows up and turns into a drama. And so that's one. And the other one's awesome. I'm working with Abel Nobel. He's a producer out on the East Coast. He worked, with us on, he worked with us on Prepper, and mm -hmm. he is lining up a project called Storm and Garrison, which is about the War of 1812, which most people Ooh. don't really know anything wow. about, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, the Battle of Baltimore, where you've got the British coming back to storm the United States, the young country, and see if the United States can hang on. And for a time there, we didn't know. And in fact, during that time period, the White House was burned by the British. That's right, and I remember that. It just that. happens to be a period in our U.S. history that doesn't get covered very much because we have so much going into the history books now that um, no one's told that story. And so wow. Abel, the producer that I work with, is, is building it with historians from the area, directly with historians there in Boston as well. And so we're lining that up right now to be uh, a miniseries which tells the story of certain characters going through that entire event. But that's going to be a really big one. So there's two main ones that I'm, I'm working on right now. That's really cool. 
I'm, <laughs> I'm super excited to see the one about 1812. I've never oh, personally seen yeah. anything about that. I'm fascinated uh, with war history and movies about that. Uh, man, I'm, I'm pumped up for that. I'll have to keep updated on that. Oh, absolutely. What we need to do is you guys both need to be in the film. Hey, I'm freaking yeah. down. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do it. Yes. Hey, I want to say something about that, though, okay? Oh, okay. So, like, anytime I'm doing a film, there's always friends and family that are like, hey, put me in your film, which I, I definitely want to do because it's fun, right? Yeah. But I, I think there's the expectation of, you know, you could be a, a background actor right here and wear a uniform, and it's cool. You can see yourself on screen. That's awesome. But then there's also the expectation of, Hey, I've never acted before in my life, but I want to be a Hollywood star, so put me in your film. Right? Right. And I encourage that, so don't get me wrong, but I also um, want to clarify and say, if you really want to be in films, then do your homework. You know, build up your acting resume. Yeah. Start acting. Act in anything you can find, like from the smallest no-budget actor film all the way up to whatever you can get into. But don't just say... You want to go be an actor and you walk up and try to do it because it's a craft that people have to work at for years and i can't do it i wish i could and kevin you mentioned it uh in the emails before this like i put myself into prepper but i basically just mm -hmm. played myself when i'm super annoyed right and i just act like, <laughs> yeah. I just act like myself when i'm really like angry and annoyed i'm just like what oh what you know, i can do that but other than that, I can't really act at all. Is that how so you talk to your dogs? my encouragement is to people who are actors that want to get into the scene is if you really want to do it, then go for it. Build your resume. Go to acting classes. Get into anything that you can do. And when you come up to me or other independent filmmakers, don't just say, hey, put me in your film. It'll be great. I'll know what I'm doing. Really work at your craft, and that'll help you. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, how, how actors should be you know, getting into the film industry and how they should go about it. What do you say for pre, uh, future directors and producers and writers? Like, what advice do you have to filmmakers, which is a completely other different craft? Yep. My advice is just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Nike. I mean, Love I mean, it. There are, so, there are so many different outlets, but just do it. You know, um, and it's hard. And I, I have these conversations in my own head, right? I compare myself to these Hollywood films, and I'm like, well, if I can't do Michael Bay with explosions all over the place, then I'm just not a director, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to do it, right? Because I'm never going to get there. And that's just not true, right? Not true. You can make films these days that are so small and mm. with, a, with an iPhone, and they go viral, and people love them, and you can change the world with just that. So my point is just do it. There are so many different outlets. If you want to go the Hollywood studio route, just do it. Go out to Hollywood, get your foot in the door, network, oh, yeah take classes and go do it cool if that's not working for you and you think you know what I want to be an independent producer then just do it start making your films um, one of the easiest things to do is use what you have right now we all have phones that have come such a long way and they are beautiful cinematography in a cinematographic way right right yeah um, and build from there and that's that's how I got my start you know I made these goofy little YouTube videos I, I actually started off on my dad's old actual film camera making G.I. Joe the movie you know between film when I was a kid um, I don't know if you guys did this but we had to we had to shoot on actual tape right? yeah and yeah I, yeah I'd have two VCRs and then you have to you have to push record on this one and play on this one and that's how you edited between two different VCRs right 
So yeah. don't ever let the excuse of we don't have the equipment stop you. Just do it and go whatever route works for you and don't stop. Oh yeah. That that's absolutely true. And we're not, you know, this, this podcast has been really awesome, very informative. You know, we, we tend to say that a lot at the very end of our podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's been awesome. This has been informative, you know, whatever. But seriously, this has been a, this has been, I, I would say, I don't even know the word for it. But what I will say is I have never actually learned how pr to produce movies, how you even go about this kind of stuff and I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your craft. I mean, we we even know uh, to this day right now, audio and video is not a game, <laughs> you know. And so, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else you want to say, Nate? Uh, yeah, what White Kevin said, it has been awesome learning from you and listening to you. I can honestly say during this whole podcast, there's not been a single microsecond that I have been disengaged. Uh, from this I mean the whole thing uh, every single word you have spoken has been extremely uh, interesting and uh, really great uh, so our viewers know uh, where can people go to follow your next projects that you're just discussing how will we find out about that any any ideas on that yes sir uh, they can go to andrewchristjoy.com and keep up with everything that we got going on and that would be greatly appreciated because part of the fun is building a following, as you guys know, of support and a community that you can cater to because you want to, but also come along for the ride. But I, I do want to say that I, I really appreciate being on this show with you gentlemen as well. I have really enjoyed listening to several of your podcasts, and um, I think it's inspirational the way you hold your conversations, and I'm thankful to be a part of that. So if I can help out in any way, please consider me because I'd be glad to do it. Awesome, man. Yeah, but we really appreciate you coming on, and we appreciate those words too. And if you uh, if you're watching this right now and you haven't yet, go ahead and follow us. Well, I guess not. Yeah, you can follow on Facebook. So mm -hmm. uh, go ahead and like and follow us on Facebook. We're also on iHeartRadio. We're still currently trying to get those guys to put us. And you know, when you actually type in the name for us to come up, but you actually <laughs> have to go through our Facebook link through the iHeartRadio right now and tune in to watch the to listen to this on your way to work or something and make sure make sure to look up let there be zombies to watch that movie to watch prepper understand it's a low budget independent film but there's lots of good material in it and to follow on where andrew christ Boy's next projects are going to be i'm excited for the 1812 thing <laughs> i'm ready so same here all right, any, any last any last thoughts you have? Um, you know, I think we're in a really volatile time in this country right now. And this podcast is very important because it's about bringing people together, not being separated. I hope that's the same thing that I'm doing with my productions. So my friends out there, thank you for listening to these gentlemen. I think they're doing the right thing, and we need to support them as much as possible. So thank you, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, man, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate it. All right, bud. We're going to sign off. We'll see you later, okay, man? You got it. Thank you. See you, bud.